Ready? So welcome back to Diaries of the Wild Ones. Once again, a huge thank you to Wild Earth Australia for supporting me in the adventurous lifestyle. If you guys need any gear for your next adventure, running, camping, climbing, hiking, you guys name it, these guys have it. So go to wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code, my diary, all one word, capital letters, wildearth.com. Okay, so now you guys know that I live in Crescent Head and we love our little town and my friends and neighbours here have started Crescent Head Brewing Co. Not only do I love supporting small business, I love supporting just good humans. So let's give a big shout out to Crescent Head Brewing Co. And next time you come to our little town, stop into the tavern or the tavern bottle and support the locals. Two beers to choose from, a fruity XBA or a Chris Lager. Surf the point all day. Then have a Crescent Head Brewing Co. beer watching the waves as the sun goes down. That's the point, right? Now remember, when you come to Creso, enjoy this beautiful place and our local beer. But remember to leave no trace and take your garbage with you, please, guys. Okay, now for this episode, I sit down with two really good friends of mine, Eden Soul from Dead Cook Surfboards and a really good mate of mine, Robin Mather, who's uh, one of our local teachers in the area. Now, I just kind of wanted to um, just use this channel of Diaries of the Wild Ones just to put out a bit of awareness of what happened to our community of, you know, we this episode is breaking down some of the, uh, the stories around the floods and just... Um, you know, if I, I thought about it. If I did this episode, you know, three months ago, four months ago, when we we're right in the thick of it, it would have been totally different. It would have been so deep in like just horrendous stories and trauma. But, you know, coming out of it now, we didn't really need to go too deep into that stuff. I think the biggest thing now is just a bit of awareness, like looking back. And I feel, you know, with the election coming up, it's a, it's just a good thing to put out to really show people that, fuck, we were just kind of left to fend for ourselves not that that was a bad thing but you know the community and and the local government was really stretched and we're just kind of like left to do it yeah you know it's just like the whole community just stood up where they needed to and um but yeah there's so much trauma and and you know like driving like when you drive up through northern river you could drive for four hours you know from you know, like Yamba up to the Gold Coast, from Coffs Harbour up to the Gold Coast, and the whole place was just underwater. You could drive inland for three hours, and the whole place was underwater. It was something like 15,000 people left homeless. Like, But just the trauma that was in the community of like what people went through. And then not only that, it became to the community to do the effort to salvage, to clean, to rescue it was an incredible effort. It was an incredible, let's say, a good 10 days before our federal government kind of stepped up with a bit of a hand. It was an absolute nightmare. It was like a bomb had gone off. And looking back on it, I think the only thing I can do is just sit down with a couple of my mates, 
have a beer, catch up with them, touch base on like looking back on what the fuck happened and this isn't what we can do differently it isn't it isn't like bagging the government it's just anything it's just I thought like you know with an election coming up just to shed a bit more light to people's minds on how the government that we did have at the time uh, reacted or didn't react and more than just the beautiful thing of how just the local community just came together and just got it done just fucking just stepped up it was incredible so yeah i think i'll just leave it at that you guys enjoy this episode and just really have a think of what type of australia that you know do we want to live in and and what type of community community member do you want to be for next time these things happen you know and um look at your neighbors you know look at our fellow just yeah, just look at your neighbours and just love. Help out where you can. I think it's just fucking brilliant when we do that and, and live in societies that are like that. So anyway, enjoy this episode. I can do a shot and we'll talk about shit. Oh. Well, you want to do a shot first? 100%. Yeah, well, why not? All right, all right boys. Cheers, nice little tequila down the hatch. Yeah, the boys. There's <laughs> yum, but spirits always get me going in the back of the throat. Well, you give us a little one, two, eight. Hoo ha, hoo ha. Where are you going to sit? Yeah, you're comfortable. You're there. Oh, all right, boys. I reckon this is um good way to introduce you guys is uh, the fact that. It's been this really, kind of in a way, beautiful, beautiful journey to like watch the three of us grow into like manhood, I suppose. Like, you know, sitting down with you, Robin, like watching you become the man that you've become, like from like the Groms that we were, you know, hanging around in Lennox or just, you know, hanging around through, through Scotty. Like, I think I met you when I was 21 or 20. So it's like, you know, watching you become a teacher and the impact that you have on, on younger kids and everything you do. And then also Eden, it's like, you know, you developing your own surfboard brand and kind of creating the life that you're living, you know, dead kooks and just being so innovative. It's been really cool to watch. And now the three of us are sitting here, what, 15 years later, you know. Still talking the same shit. Yeah, still, <laughs> still talking the same shit. It's... Uh, I think it's just pretty cool, but, um, you know, I'm pretty much using this as an excuse to sit down with you guys and have a beer, you know, to, um, but the, I think the biggest thing is I want to break down what's actually been happening or what's happened in the Northern Rivers because no one really, really knows what's happened here or really the in-depth of the stories that we've heard from, like, being here, like, seeing it, like, you know, um, firsthand. And then even, like, it's still going. It's like there's so much water in the ground it's still like I had this day today where I was just depressed all day because what we had one sunny day in a week and it's like forecast to be rain for a whole nother week. I'm like, it's been four months of just rain. And people are fully traumatized. Fully. I'm in a cabinet maker that I'm dealing with at the moment up at Moolumbar and he's like freaking out every afternoon, like checking the weather going, fuck, is this going to happen again? Yeah. Because the water level's like, up there in the cane fields and stuff, it's just, it's so ready to go if you get mm. one good storm one night. Like well, last Saturday when it just poured all evening and you're like, frick, is this going to... It's in the back of everyone's head, isn't it? It's like when it starts raining, you're just thinking, 
is this going to happen again? I guess to preface, like that second flood, I was looking, I'm like, oh, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I don't think it's going to be that bad. And then that that one night that just poured and like everyone was awake at two in the morning. Mm. Like I was texting all my friends. Everyone was like, shit, mm. we're on, aren't we? Back like, on yeah, again. we're back on. We're yeah. fucking 100%. Like this yeah. is happening. Yeah, I couldn't. It's funny too because I couldn't sleep down at mine and like I was outside and I was like picturing I'm just like again 2am I'm sitting outside on my balcony just watching the rain non-stop coming down because I had to it's, the water started coming through my um, my garage so I had to keep going down and mopping and like um, and I was just thinking like imagine the people like going outside right now and having to like fight for your life you know climb up onto your roof like where I was like I was dry inside I could make rational decisions but have, actually having to jump out in those elements and realizing everything's going on and having to climb on your roof, that was like this realization. I was sitting there, I was like, holy shit. You know, like even like to the everything that I've seen go on, but just the people that actually experience that stuff. One of my work colleagues, Shanksy, um, Uncle Steve up in Lismore was super affected by the floods. And he was telling us the same story, basically up on the roof with his like son, who's about four or five years of age, just seeing the water going past, moving so quick, like 70 kilometers an hour. And he was literally just telling the story unfold. And we actually drove up to go out and help out like South Lismore. But the scene before we actually went out there and to hear it firsthand was just like, you, I can't even fathom like what that would have felt like. They had to jump in a boat, make that split decision. Do we leave now? Or do we wait for someone to rescue us? Like they had mm. that, that moment to jump in the boat. They got there, they got, got there safely. And they had like this young girl who was at the front of the boat saying, and he was like so good in that situation. He had to keep himself calm, got young kids there. And basically saying, hey, darling, like you've got to lead the way. You've got to tell us if there's any objects while we're driving this boat so we can get to safer ground. But hearing that story firsthand, I was just like, I was blown away. I was like, fire out. I'm so happy to see you. Gave mm. a big hug and just like, let me know what I can do for you. One of the crazy things, if you think about it, do you know how hard it is to climb onto your roof? Mm. Like that thing, people are like, oh, they just climbed on the roof. How do you get That's there? not that freaking easy. Mm. I spoke to my grandma about this. My, both my grandma and grandpa grew up in Lismore. You know, they're in their 90s now, so they've lived through all the shit. And they couldn't wrap their head around it. Like, you know, if the elderly people, like what did they do? Mm. Like the idea of like, oh, cool, you climbed through your roof. You got in the manhole, climbed through the rafters, somehow lifted some roof sheets or kicked some tiles out. That's not that simple. And if there's crazy floodwaters and it's in the middle of the freaking night and all of a sudden you've got to like, it's Yeah, what wild. about the people getting into their manhole that have tin roofs and then can't yeah, get through? There's that. Like like, and then I had friends up at South Golden. They were like, they evacuated, same thing, middle of the night and had to like they got on a foamy like an eight foot foamy board and were paddling around picking up their elderly neighbors paddling them to other mm. homes to try to drop them off where people had two-story homes because they didn't have anywhere to go in the middle of the night paddling around through floodwaters like with wow. like flowing floodwaters too yeah you know not being able to see and the debris coming off it as well mm. like i was just up in brizzy yesterday and there's obviously obviously floods further up north and you could just see it moving through like that Brisbane River and you're seeing all the debris moving past and like that wasn't even going up that, that quickly, let mm. alone like that rushing of movement of water coming through. Like you, not everyone can swim. Mm. Like we're all surfers here. We know how to like get ourselves out of, out of that situation. But for people that don't go near the water 
And like you said, Eden's like people who are like elderly. How do they deal with that situation? Mm, one of my mates was SES. Oh, it might have. No, it, another mate that was SES was telling me they went to the caravan park and there was a donger there and it was flooded and they kicked, they had to go through the um, air con. They could hear a guy wellowing inside. They had to go through the air con. They kicked the air con in and down there was an old guy in a wheelchair up the water up to his uh, chin and just sitting there. And then, so they're trying to get him out, but then he was like freaking because he was so scared. He was mentally unstable. Like, and they had to try pull him through the, um, the air con vent that they had kicked in to get into him and he didn't want to go. Because he was like, you know, like he wasn't, it wasn't fathoming what was going on. Yeah. Okay. I think, um, so. If, That's if, a good if, ramble. Let's get if on. The, yeah. If the listener doesn't, doesn't, hasn't realized by now, you know, the Northern Rivers floods, is, you know, it's been a huge traumatic event, I think for everyone involved, but you know, like there's, um, it was the recovery effort and actually what went down and I, th- I think wasn't really shown on the news. And this is, uh, this is this beautiful moment when you actually saw community when you actually saw human beings come to coming together with love and actually stepping up and it was um especially you know all people in the community and and watching you know surfers and um people with people just becoming action men and so um this is this is where i want to open the floor to you guys because you know both you guys um and myself we all just stepped up where we could and uh eden you know you what what happened to you the what happened to you when things went down i i think everyone was i kind of was watching seeing what was going on the first day up in mullum seeing friends that were putting boats in the water and like through social media yep they were posting a bunch of shit and i we were we couldn't get out of here like we were stuck here as well so we were sort of flooded in Mm. um we couldn't access those areas we couldn't get to Lismore at that point and like I don't have a boat the boys have launched tinnies off the road like taking them up the main street and we're getting people so that was sort of like day one that was kicking off and I was like all right and then so I kind of got all my gear organized and by that night got out and was able to get in and help a few people out mm. woke up the next morning text a bunch of buddies and we kind of mobilized and went like what was it in hard. you that went like that made you want to just like you had to do something I grew up here Mm. and it just, it was pretty clear that there wasn't enough help coming for the amount of people that needed it. So it was kind of like, this is our town, this is our community. Like I'm fit, I'm able, like I think as surfers, as like runners, as, you know, generally fit, active people that are pretty outdoorsy, we've got a pretty good skill set. Whether you're comfortable in the water or you're comfortable like out in the country and in the hills, whatever that is, it's like we're pretty well equipped whether you think you are or not to be able to be putting yourself in these situations yeah did were you in a way to your sense like in that first day it was pretty apparent that like the resources weren't there to help you could see it from day one Mm. and i think day two it became even more apparent because i think we actually started to really really see the scope of it of like what was happening in lismore what was happening at like Tombolgum and Mwoolumba, South Golden Ocean Shores, Mullum. Like, so and what, then even further afield where me and Robin ended up out the back of like Yukai on the other side of the Clary Hall Dam. So what happened that first day? Like, you, you know, like you're, you're like, okay, we've got to step up and do something. I had that same thought. It was for me, I was flooded in at my house in Crescent Head and I'm watching the community, you know, that I'm like, that I'm part of up north. 
just completely like, I had this feeling inside of me, it was like so much guilt because so many friends, so many loved ones, I just couldn't get there. I was literally flooded in. I had my own struggle going on there. And I was sitting there watching like, I just like the apocalypse pretty to me. It was like, I'm watching it. I couldn't believe it. I'm watching what people are posting on social media. I'm not seeing much really on the news. And I'm looking at like close friends of mine, people that I also like really value their words, you know, and, and sharing what they were going through. And I was like, and it was affecting me so much. And I was like, I need to need to get up here. And it was like a week before I could, but you guys, that, that first day when you're able to get in, like you took it, you said you grabbed a boat and went in. What, like, what did you see? I, I, like weirdly, I actually can't remember the days of it all that much anymore. Cause I think we had about like 10 or 11 days straight and it really just melded all into one thing. So it's all semi a blur in a way. I've kind of got certain markers. Um, that first day was kind of, we were just trying to get in and do what we could. And we just realized that it was like, there was a lot more issues. It was a lot more difficult than we thought. Like you can't just, it's not that easy to just launch a boat off the road. Mm. And then you're trying to get across wires and cow paddocks and like, you know, it's getting dark. There's just shit going on. Wow. Next day, I can't even remember where we were the next day. Was it day two or three? I think you came out with us. Maybe I think it was day, day, yeah, day two. Day two. Went up to Mullumbimby. And that was, a, that was a bit of a mess. Robin, I think, reached out to me. We didn't have fuel at this point. So you couldn't get, there was, we had no fuel in town. Everyone had kind of panicked, went, bought all the fuel. All the supermarkets were out of food. There was no, you trucks can't get in because the no, whole place We couldn't flooded. get anything. Roads yeah, right? are flooded. So the supermarket had even closed. The butcher had, there was, you couldn't get meat. The, the only groceries you could get was like you know bags of chips or whatever mm. um, the one thing we did figure out was bottled water isn't that necessary in a flood especially in this region because we're on tank water and the one thing we had a shitload of was water yeah um, but so Robin rang me and was like hey like I want to get my hands dirty like what are you up to and I was like alright well meet me in the morning we're heading out went to the Mullum Civic Center and coordinated with um, my friend Chai, who was kind of like one of the people running operations up there with another guy, Russ Berry. Russ owns a wine store. Chai kind of worked in marketing. None of these people have any skills in this department and are volunteering their time. And she's like, look, there's people that we need to go check on out in these different communities on the other side around Yukai, um, Burrell Creek, whatnot. So if you guys want to team up, so we kind of just loaded up with a bunch of friends, generators, ropes, fuel. We had an ATV and just kind of headed out. A lot of food and supplies. How come, like we know, but just for the, for the listeners, how come, you know, there was uh, civilians, like people that actually had, you know, well, they, they kind of did have an idea because they all stepped up and, and got it done. But how come it was for you? Like what's, what's the explanation of for you guys? How come it was the community members like from what you saw firsthand, that it was that was stepping up and doing it. I think my read on it was just like I'm not. I think the SES was overwhelmed. Mm. Um, the police is under resourced anyway. Mm. There's not enough. And then strangely, like we can get military to Timor in 48 hours whenever anything goes down. We can send a shitload of funding wherever it needs to be, but we could not get police or oh sorry army on the ground here for like seven days or something. Yeah, I'm sure there's bureaucrat bureaucracy and all that and i don't blame any defense first personnel it's, no because everyone it's, that was it's, on the ground was going for it everyone that was here was, was working their it's not off. the stick it's the hand that holds it right yeah people so just it's, yeah, it's up it's coming from the top 
Yeah, they just wanted to get out there and get actively involved. Like I was the same with you, Shanksy. I was like the first day here. I rode around Ballina, went out to Xavier School, but fuel was like my car was basically running low. And that like linked up with ease. And then like to get out there, I just literally want to get my hands dirty, so to speak, and help out the community. Because I want the same thing to happen if that happened to me. Mm. So you've got to kind of like lead by example. And just going out there and, and linking up was just, you know, it was eye-opening, that's for sure. Are you and comfortable see- to talk about what happened that morning? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's kind of processed it all after it all went down. But mm. um, yeah, there's some pretty heavy stuff. I didn't expect to see and see some of the things that we saw, like the water levels. Everyone's emotion was really high, like even the community that we saw out at Ukai trying to help and volunteer. And unfortunately, like what they've experienced, you know, it didn't really take much for people to kind of have a bit of a backlash sometimes hey when you're actually trying to help out which is it sounds funny talking about it but you get the depth of it when you start seeing the stress everybody's been under yeah well they're you know they're not sleep it was like the whole of northern rhythm rivers wasn't sleeping no it was too much from even when I, when I finally when i got up here it was like day six or something or day seven once i finally got up and um it was once I started helping, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. And then I was talking to people, no one was sleeping. No. People were just so in their trauma, they'd lost everything. But yeah, let's, um, so, so day two, so first day you're, you're out, you're kind of, you're touching base. Now the community's really starting yeah, so to kind of step up. And We got out there, we coordinated, we linked up with a couple other crews. Um, and like... It, it, it's sort of this thing too like you needed capable vehicles and capable people because the last mm. thing you want to do is get caught in a worse situation driving through those roads out the back there like it was all one lane on terrain roads just landslides for kilometers really gnarly what are usually quite soft trickling creeks you could see the water had been up a good eight ten meters plus massive you know two-lane cement bridges that had been totally dislodged and pushed 50 meters down the road mm. you know people had set up by that point when we already got there had set up like little bamboo bridges that looked like you were you know in indiana jones or something yeah. and that's sort of how that was getting things done um you know i was with a friend jack and we actually peeled out left these guys and we went to go check on some other communities we had an atv so we figured we could get up into some remote areas that we couldn't even access by car so are you using roads that are washed out or just fire trails or Both. tracks? Yeah. Um, so we left these guys and then... So what was your, what was your aim to get up to communities to well, see if they so had the, resources to see well, the if they issue, were okay? One of the major issues I think we all really figured out was communication. So we'd meet with, you know, we ran into an RFS guy on the road. Hey, has anyone been up here? Don't know. Is the road open? We don't know. There's no, t- there's no cell service. All the phones are out. There's no power. So no one knows how bad the situation is. People are hearing, you know, Chinese whispers and bits and pieces that that road might be closed. There might have been a landslide there. Like that later that evening, we I'll, can probably talk about it later, but like there was whispers we'd been sent. We kind of ended up going back out on another mission late to like up at Main Arm. All the people in Mullum ended up hearing there was a landslide and 60 people died in Upper Maynard. We were the people that had went. My friend is like having a meltdown because she sent us up there. It's like there, there was so much miscommunication and just like 
Because mm. I suppose by this stage, you know, you know, phones are cut off, power's phones cut, are cut off. off. There's no internet. There's no anything. So mm. a lot Road, of, roads have washed away. Yeah. So a lot of what we were even trying to do, it wasn't even about getting, getting, kind of services to people. It was just actually making sure like those communities are okay. Mm. No one knew. So it's just getting up to touch base. Yeah. So it's like I'm I'm just picturing it too, like you know, and how the Northern Rivers is. You know, it's like a lot of country roads out to like these little villages, I suppose, and those roads are washed away. Yep. Those all those access points are gone. So there's so, communities. There might be a hundred homes up a one road, and no one's heard from any of those people in two days at this point. Mm. What's happening up there? We know they're in a big basin. Like, wow. Are those did those people get out? Are they okay? Are there yeah. people stuck? Do they need food? Do they need medicine? Yeah, just anything. Fuck. So, so what happened? So, you just get in the ATV. So we got in the so ATV. We were cruising. Like we actually went. And I'm we had a pretty to get on edge. We had a pretty mellow morning actually. <laughs> like mm. in a way, it was relatively uneventful. Which, as I kind of found out as this all went further on, like the uneventful days were great. Yeah. Kind of weird because you're like kind of perked up and you're pretty eggy you're yeah like, you're getting there's a lot go going on and then you like up and go and do all this stuff and you're like, you're like run into some old farm like, nah we're good like, all right sweet see ya. what are you what are you seeing like what as you're going through like these fire trails some these it tracks pretty, to like, get to pretty places? pretty gnarly but that morning for us was actually pretty chill mm. it was fine when we split after you guys went off we got dropped off at Beryl Creek and that's when you shot like shot off around up and around. But um yeah, like we had a small little crew and we were trying to work out, okay, this road's completely shut off, but we know that we need to get supplies over this other way. And the people that we're with were going, Oh, we'll, we'll hook over this bit and like it was kind of everyone's trying to be super proactive, but you had to listen to locals and you had to listen mm-hmm. to like, okay, how do we get through this section? And, you know, we eventually got some supplies across, but then on the way back when we got through we're all just chilling, just kind of debriefing. And then one of the boys that we're actually with, literally, because of right next to this kind of river, sorry, the creek, obviously, Beryl Creek. And he just looked across and he saw, just happened to just see, just catch out of the corner of his eye, like a, someone unfortunately just been caught up in the floodwater and been like wrapped around and underneath this kind of like tree trunk. And it was pretty, you know, it was pretty full on. He looked really distressed after he found like we saw the body and um he reported back to everybody else and then the police got phone called in they came out there was about six to ten police officers coming through trying to retrieve the body but people that were there that were trying to just help out the community and actually witness like just seeing that for the first time like it was pretty full-on like lucky like when he saw it, it was just like oh i can't like i can't stop like you just had to keep looking I said, no, I've got to pull away. Like he was just kind of really rattled by the whole situation. Even myself, I was like, whoa, that was the first time I've actually seen like mm. a dead body, you know, you know, you know, in the natural environment instead of just obviously at a funeral. And it was kind of, you know, it was like, whoa, like this is, this is real. Like, yeah, I suppose I was just thinking like, what a way to sink in. Like you're seeing mother nature just completely destroy the environment. You're seeing mother nature take homes away. You're seeing mother nature like take possessions, you know, like, um, just relocate people and every pretty much but then actually seeing death the fact that like how far like the devastation has gone i think that's um and i still don't know the numbers it's like i had a i had a friend on um 
on one of the rescue choppers and he was saying like we can't say because you know it's like so many bodies are bloated and they can't yes yeah, so I, I can't even go there with what he's with what he's told me i believe it it i think when that all went down and i remember so anyway we all we ended up these guys had headed back to Mullen by like three in the afternoon or something like that we'd had a pretty gnarly day all up we'd ended up trying to get into the shannon um gone out towards nimmin tried to get into the shannon found out halfway there the road was closed had to double back we got the whole way back to Mullen. And um, basically, there was a whole community up in Maynard that had been totally isolated. There'd been massive landslides. And we'd been told at that point that the military was going to get a chopper in there. So we were like, fantastic. Great. I think also coming back that afternoon, we were tensions got pretty high because we'd heard about what had happened with these boys. Which pretty rattling. And then I think at that moment, I don't want to get too political with this, but um, that shane smith who's kind of one of the emergency services guys in charge of this massive fund that has all the money for flood relief and fire relief had said you know like if you want to live in the gum trees oh my god that was so true and it was sort of like Mm. fuck like i don't know it was just just one of these moments where i'm like fuck like this isn't like this isn't our job this is like my friends like house painters and teachers and we're out here doing some like this isn't like light lifting right Mm. And then it's sort of the same with like when the military shit happened where they're like posing for photo shoots and people are like, oh, you can't talk shit about the military. It's not their job. And I'm like, it's not really our fucking job either though, is it? Mm. Um, but anyway, we ended up, we got back into Mullum. Everyone was pretty like, tensions were up. Like everyone was pretty rattled. It was like a pretty full on day. Just a and then we were like, over. yeah. And then it was like, oh, hey, like we need you just to go up to Maynum. So it was like four in the afternoon and we were like, just fucking all right fuck it let's go so we rallied missioned around there got there massive bridge washout massive landslides seen there was cars and like i'm talking like big american like 1970s f-150s wrapped around trees that like had come from wherever there was two cars wrapped around themselves like like if you got two coke cans and just like Mm. smashed them together Wow. Just goes to show the runoff that was coming off and entering in the waterways. Like, you know, just a thousand kilograms. Yeah, the cars were just like picked up and just tossed around. It was just like to see that was just like, whoa. Like it was, you got caught in any of that, like anywhere near that, you'd been swept away. Yeah. So if you've been sent out there at four and you get to like a washed out bridge, you know, that's that's getting yeah. close to dark. Like what It was, you- yeah, I, I've done a bit of trail running out through there up into like Mount Jerusalem, Nassau Park. So I kind of, I had like steel cap work boots on. I was like, we couldn't get up there, but we kind of wanted to just get the scope of it because no one had heard from anyone up there. I was like, oh, well, fuck, I'll just go. So I had like a space blanket and I grabbed an energy gel and a headlamp and just went and... I ran into a family that was walking down the hill like within about the first kilometer. It's like an 8K run up, like a pretty heavily graded gravel track, like all uphill. And I was like, hey, if you run into the guy on the ATV named Jack, just tell him I'll be back in two hours. Yeah. (laughs) That was about all I could do. Yeah, yeah. you know yourself as an athlete, oh, I could probably get this done. Oh, it was fucked. But we got up to the top and I got to like, I ran into a few different, like went house to house to house was able to basically get a list of medicines, get a couple of contact numbers. One guy had a satellite phone up there. We were able to basically get get a list of what they needed and a contact at what least. What type of stuff would people need? 
when you're getting into these small communities because they've been isolated in, for days from insulin anyone. like yeah there was some heavy stuff we found like there was a guy a couple of days later in the shannon we got him a we set up a flying fox rig and we we're able to get a generator across like a big landslide area guy who's on dialysis and hadn't had power for six days wow so like we were able to get a, a flying fox set up get a generator across to him and get that set up for them wow oh my so things that you don't even think about hey like just and people just every day like you know just problems that people have that we don't even think about you know you think about oh you take away power water oh, it's like oh, okay what's a few days it's like no it's like your basic needs it's like shelter food water it's like you strip all that away you don't have anything it's mm-hmm. like well mm-hmm. you don't you're not you're not left with much and it's, it was really nice to see that community band together you mentioned that eden and that's a that's a sense of feeling that i got as soon as we went out to mullumbimby when we went out and saw chai and that that organization like these were just everyday people just making things happen and coordinating as best they could and that lack of communication was just like through another element into the mix I think so that like, was probably the one of the biggest takeaways was within any of this and what was even crazier was the fact that then literally and it through people like Mick Fanning that were able to basically access people that worked at Starlink and get satellites flown out here from the States overnight that people like, you know, were hiking. Like, you know, my friend Jimmy, who's like a, one of the bigger bands in the country, was like hiking a satellite on his back for a day and a half to like set communications up for people. Wow. And it's like, but without that, like people going, well, they can call Triple O. No, you can't because there's no fucking cell service. What do you... What do you think it is in human nature? Like, do you reckon that this is just like this community is just that amazing that people step up? Or do you reckon it would happen in any community? Do you reckon it's just human nature? I think in a lot of communities, you would see the same result. Hmm. I don't think it's entirely special to hear, but what happened in this town was pretty freaking incredible. And I don't think I've ever been more proud of the people in the area that I live in. Hmm. I don't know, man. I'm, I agree, but like, I feel like, that Australian community, like you help out your neighbor, like that culture of part of like you help everyone out. I reckon this area is really special. Like Byron, Mullumbimby, this whole surrounds Northern Rivers. Like I moved up here about 18 years ago from Adelaide and the sense of community that I felt in particularly in Lennox, like meeting you Eats for the first time and all the boys, like you just connect, you just bond mm-hmm. because everyone's super like-minded. Everyone's willing to kind of help out. And I feel like everyone around here is super aware. It's like, we live a certain way of lifestyle and everyone throws down the coin you know they say oh byron bay it's all hippies and like all that stuff and like yeah there is that's an aspect of it but it's a conscious community everyone around here is aware and is you know they know what their neighbor's up to like they want to be a part of the community and Mm. the activities that we do like the markets like in all the different towns like it's you know this is a really unique situation where we haven't been able to communicate we haven't been able to socialize with COVID and the, the rain aspect is just another level on top of that suppression that we've had for all these months. But this area is just so unique. Like we find a way. Yeah. Two be- things I'd to say on that. First of all, the coolest thing was for all the sh- kind of shit that had gone on over the last few years, like that dissipated super quickly and people were just like showing up at random people's homes. Like, Hey, can I help clean up your fucking anything after, you know, there was the whole like, whatever else they got Mm. but to the whole thing of like people know what people are going through when we went out into the shannon there was a couple of ladies that had set up at the community hall there they'd set up a massive thing of butcher's paper across the wall drawn all the roads 
and then mapped and they knew every single house and who lived there and how many people lived there and then basically went out house to house and checked on every one of those families and were coming back and reporting on it. And that's that's it. How many places would know? Mm. And it was like, and they might have not known. They're, oh, there's a couple of new people, but they they go, oh well, we spoke to Daryl that lives there, and he spoke, he's gone and checked them, and we're able to basically piece the whole community together. Oh, yeah, I mean that's the brilliance about this place. Like you know your neighbour, mm. like you know people up and down the street, that sense of community. You go to a city, you might not even know your next door neighbour been, been living next to for the I last. One of the years. other things that was cool in the flip of it mm. was like going down to Korokai and South Lismore, like. I don't think there's a lot of people that live in Byron that spend a lot of time in South Lismore or Karakai or Bunga Walden or anything. But mm. people were just like, you know, wanting to... I had some girlfriends who got a fashion label in Sydney. They've been kind of basing themselves more up here. They went and spent thousands of dollars on hot food, you know, put these buckets together of like dental stuff, kids stuff, like women's sanitary supplies and went, got all these hot meals. I think it was the day after, the third day maybe, we went, we coordinated with another mate. We got a jet ski, we got a boat. We drove down to, we we're trying to get out onto the river around Wardell or Broadwater. Couldn't. We drove back. We ended up launching out of the back of the beer garden at the pub at Wardell. <laughs> yeah. Like off the beer garden, <laughs> which was nuts because the river was doing a good 10, 12 knots. It was mm. crazy. And we got out, but like, yeah, like, you know, people that have just tried, that have only new to the community. That it were like had gone and organised all this stuff. Mm. Um, oh, it was insane! I couldn't because when we first came in, we you know we got word that uh, it was insane for us actually our mission. So I got flooded in down at Crescent Head. Be, you know where I am on the community becomes an island around it. So we we're flooded in, but I was okay. And so it's tidal where I am. Here's a little beer for It's tidal where I am. So we um. I was thinking about it and we had this dead low tide. It was the lowest tide of the week. And it also it had stopped raining for like a day or two. And we saw more rain coming. We saw like the bigger tides coming. And I, I said to Benny, I was like, the only way we're going to get up if I get my car out now. But we need to make sure the community is right for the next flood. And then if we can, we're going to get out. So it's, it, we did this mission at 10 o'clock. I think it was like 10.30 at night. It was a low tide that we you had to work it out. It was four hours down river four hours different low down river where we are. So I go first on the motorbike and go through the flood water. And there was like probably about six sections of flood water we had to go through to get my troopie into town. And um, so I'm going on the motorbike first, Benny's driving the car. And so we're in the middle of the night, like going through flood water. Then I'm waving him through going, yeah, nah, it's sweet. He goes through because I didn't want to um, drown the troopie, you know. And I, we get into Crescent, get it up on hill, up on the hill. He jumps on the moto, then um, we go back home. Anyway, next flood comes, next rain set it comes, and then we get this we get this word that they're going to open up the Kempsey floodgates, and even Crescent's going to go under. Kempsey's going under. Like the next flood's coming. You know, this is what um, six or seven seven days I think after the first flood, all that water's coming down, and then we're still getting rain. So I was like, shit. So I call the national park guy who's my neighbor and he's got this big land cruiser all jacked up. And I said, mate, mate, like my car's in town. We want to get out. And he goes, mate, you're not going to make it. And he goes, and I was like, man, can you give us a lift out through the flood water? And he goes, oh, I don't think we're going to make it, man. They're opening one of the gates tonight, the next one. And I was like, well, let's just go for it. Just touch base in the morning. 
he calls me at seven in the morning he goes nah man we're not gonna make it like they've just opened up the second floodgate we've got till 10 o'clock the whole place is flooded and i went righto and then he goes but it is low tide if we're gonna go we're gonna go now <laughs> okay all right man <laughs> and i was like and he it was just like he just had this thought he's like you know what i'll fucking go for it he goes you boys want to get up north we had benny's mum with us who's like um she's from mullum her whole community's gone down and she ended up getting flooded in with us we ended up getting all the fuel we could shovels chainsaws climbing gear rigging gear the national park guy came over we loaded it all up and just drove through floods just drove through flood water water's coming over the bonnet at some point get into town get in the troopy and then we're driving through Kempsey, and they're just sandbagging the whole town and we're like fuck like it was just so weird and as we, as we get up we drive up to woodburn we hear that this is like where it needs help and we get to woodburn and they go nah korokai needs help um you've got to go around this back road it opened up yesterday that people's been because no one could get there for like a fucking week well when we went through that was kind of nuts so we kind of just were pretty rogue pulled in um so i spoke to a friend she works at lismore base hospital and she was like what are you doing today and i'm like oh we're about to launch a boat and we ran into some random dude with a boat down there and he was like oh i don't think i can launch i'm like oh we're gonna put a jet ski in he's like well if you help me i'll have a crack he had like a 30 foot boat, you know, with a 150 on the back. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, hey, we got a boat. <laughs> it's a big and boat. <laughs> and I'm like, we got a boat we're putting in the water. And she's like, I'm going to send two doctors from Lismore Hospital. So, like, all of a sudden, we had doctors coming. We had like 100 and saying hot meals, food, a bunch of jerry cans. We had like, I think we bought 300 liters of fuel with us on the boat. Oh, and you can put it all in the big boat. Well, we could, we could load the big boat up. So a lot of these places, even when we, we got down there, people actually had generators. But it's day three, they're running out of fuel. So we're able to get the fuel for their generators. People were like just desperate for, you know, some food, some hot meals. We were like going down a treat, having a toothbrush, pretty rad. Where are And then we people? got down to Korokai and we were able to get some doctors in there into the community. The people had had like a heart attack. There was one nurse who'd basically been on duty the whole time. Wow. Um, I just want to paint the picture for people too, because when you're saying like get to people, it's like, you know, coming into Korokai, for me, the, the main street is high. And then it's like all the streets off that just flood kind of like downhill. And so the community, when you're saying like get to people, I just want to paint the picture that the community is up on that high street while all their houses still have water in them. All their houses, they're waiting for the water to go down. Some, as they go down... They're, they're left with like these mud filled, disgusting, molding houses. And as the water goes down, you kind of like. Well, I guess what we were doing was because we came up the river and we had the jet ski. So we were actually kind of running it like the boat was the mothership. And then we were running off on the jet ski, like taking the jet ski up streets and roads and going house to house, dropping off supplies to people. And then when we got to like Wardell, Bungawalbin, Bungawalbin was really bad. Where like there was people that like you were essentially in like what would be a cane field. You know when you drive through like mm. big those like areas and it's cane fields and you like look as far as you can in either direction. It's just cane fields except as far as you could look in any direction it was just like a body of water. It was like ten foot of water over everything, and you'd see a guy on a hill with like forty cattle and a Land Cruiser just stuck just sitting there how was it out there it's because like i've just seen some reports and like people in like that community bunga walwyn because i used to work down at evans like i mean they kind of felt like they were left out of the picture. they were totally left out of it yeah 
like nothing against it's just how it worked out like but out this whole area it was like lismore got flogged people were going there mullum got flogged ocean shores got flogged people from byron were going there most people don't know where bungalowman is that well and it's not a and big, it's not a big, big community but yeah. there's a lot of people down there and they were like and that when we were there by that afternoon there was a lot of helicopters in the air but they were all private i didn't see a single police helicopter an army helicopter they're all farmers choppers and private helicopters as i've spoke to a couple of friends actually said like the amount of helicopters that were getting flown around and they were all privately paid for mm. and there was even well, there was i i put money into a gofundme for a helicopter like like spoke to a couple of people that are like you know pretty prominent in the community and like they said they'd even they were overseas and chipped in money because like millions because the helicopters people had said look yep yep i'll pay i'll pay and then couldn't so people would just it was pretty nuts yeah it's wild to me still like that thing of like we talk about where was the support that that shouldn't necessarily be up to private citizens yeah to be throwing millions of dollars out of their own pocket that's what tripped out for me it's like all right so the the communities come together to help out and work you know um to support rescue bring bring supplies in and now the community they're setting up gofundme accounts which is something that I've, I put money in to help rescue people. You know, and I was like, whoa. I just remember thinking that. It's just like, well, at the time, I thought about it after. At the time, I was like, oh, this is it needs to happen. I need to get some money to rescue someone. I'm like, fuck, yeah, here it's we go. It's sort of the same with the satellite thing. Like, we raised money to buy satellites, and we were going and setting them up in communities to get communication so all these people in that community could have Wi-Fi and be able to then make phone calls. Mm-hmm. It's like, why is that up to private citizens it's kind of fucking weird it's cool like whatever like i there's this other side of it that i find if you want to flip the coin and go okay what are the positives we're able to as a community where we're not regulated we're not restricted able to react quickly Mm. swiftly we're not worried about liability people are just taking shit into their own hands and going okay i've got this skill set i know the area how can i go help let's get some crew let's go do shit I mean, like organizations were restricted because people weren't vaccinated. So on certain organizations, I won't name them, like people that were volunteers couldn't go and work because they weren't vaxxed. But in a critical situation like that, it's like you need as many people out on the ground, like assisting and, and helping out. I remember after that day, we came back from main arm. We were just like having a huge debrief. You're talking about satellites and everything like that. We're thinking, if, what's the takeaway from all this? And it's like that response by community Yes, the government came in afterwards, but how reactive everyone was and just hitting the ground straight away is that this is probably going to happen again. It's like I teach this stuff at school. Like we've seen floods in the past in Lismore. You know, these are the most, these are unprecedented flood levels we've ever had. And it's going to happen again. Well, to say it's going to happen again, it happened literally a month later, which I think was the biggest kick in the nuts Mm -hmm. anyone could ever get. But it was... Yeah, kind of bizarre. Like that one was kind of surreal because people were just like, oh, is this actually fucking happening again? <laughs> yeah. But the takeaway from it is that like we can do this without government. We The community is that strong around here and that we've touched upon yeah. that before. Like it's we like, got this. We're yeah. good. And like, th- as I was mentioning before, it's like this is probably going to happen again. But like what have we? what's the, the takeaway from all this is like, you know, we've got to put some stuff in play for next time because... You know, that was a, an amazing effort, but it could be done. Like if it happened, were to happen again, we could make it more swift and more well, efficient. Well, that's stuff that we've like, I think between groups of our friends that were involved in this stuff all spoke about. It was like, 
okay, we need people with boats. We need to actually have a like, who's got the phone numbers for all those people? We need to have like, I have a back, like all backcountry snowboard gear with like collapsible shovels and ropes. Mm. That's all handy. But the, some of the stuff we did out in like the Shannon and stuff, we just put stuff up. Weirdly, it was the power of Instagram that was kind of one of the craziest things. Like I use it purely for commerce for the most part for work, right? What blew my mind more than anything was I had people ringing me in Melbourne going, holy shit, have you seen what's going on? I'm like, yeah, like I'm with those people. Like I'm there. And mm. they're like, oh my God. And I try not to post too much personal junk. And I was like, this needs to be shared. So it's getting out there. Mm. And it took a couple of days, but all of a sudden, like then, you know, the Guardian contacted me and a few other people for like, can we use these photos? Can we use some of this content? They were actually publishing what was happening the project ended up coming and like wanting to be a part of some of that stuff. And I think it almost weirdly, the social media, just the brute force of how much of it was out there. It was like the government almost had to react. They had, mm. they were forced to actually not sit idle any longer, but not just on that side of it. There was some really cool stuff where it was like, we need to set flying foxes up and get across landslides. I have no idea how to do that shit. We put mm. some stuff out there and all of a sudden we had these guys that like are drilling and rigging guys that like, you know, go into mine sites and set up all those safety lines and do all that shit. They're like, oh, we, yep, see, we'll be there in an hour. Came down, you know, thousands oh, from, of dollars worth of ropes. Where'd they come down from? Brisbane. Shit. They were working on a high rise, like rigging off the side of a high rise. And we're like, oh no, we'll ditch that. We'll come down for the afternoon. And we had those guys with us for a couple of days. Wow. It was what was it was badass. And this one dude, James, it was like his company, he's an ex Marine, like crazy dude. And yep. Just boom, just getting it yep. done. Just getting it done. Donated thousands of dollars worth of gear, ropes, time, bought all his work crew. I was just thinking like as you And just to be able to connect with those people with those specific skill sets. Mm. Like that to me was like the power of what was able to get done. What um when you would go into a community you know, it's the, the floodwaters are still there. The floodwaters are still high up in some of the houses. You know, the community's sleeping on the street. You know, they're sleeping in shelters and in tents. And, you know, we're just seeing this like it just it looked like, you know, a bomb had gone off. For you, what, what was it like when you'd walk into someone's house? I didn't really ever go into anyone's houses. The only house I went into was one of my friends and we just like helped demo some walls. Yeah, see, that's... I kind of did this, took a different approach where I was like, there's plenty of people that can clean houses and not that mm. I, that's beneath me in any way. It was just like, Your skill, like I can go hike these mountains because I know the mountains. Mm. I can drive a jet ski. So let's go drive a jet ski up and get into these like river systems, mm. you know? So I kind of took the approach of like, let's do some of the shit that other people probably don't want to do, aren't don't able have. to do or don't have the like skills to do. Mm. Up at South Lismore, like the... But on the third day, I went up with a group of friends from Lennox. I met up with more, with more friends up there. And we went into a few businesses and a few shops and a couple of homes. But just seeing the amount of like sludge and the mud and the smell of it was just... It, you can't even imagine. Mm. I mean, if that was to rip through your home, you'd just be absolutely shattered. Yeah. But when you're going through these places, we helped out um, a couple. And they lost everything through this food works up in Lismore. And they were so thankful that we we're just there. We we're just ripping all the stuff, basically just gutting out the insides of this whole shop. And they were so thankful. They literally had tears running down their face. Mm -hmm. And they were just giving us big hugs, like, thank you so much for coming out. Like, 
We appreciate all your time. And to go out to South Lismore across the bridge and seeing the water level and how high it got, these are double story homes and they were just like well above mm. and just literally those shipping containers lost all their loads just in the backyard and everyone's just, you're walking around and there are like hundreds if not thousands of people just going in homes and just getting it done and ripping it all out, everything from the inside of the house the backyard and just clearing it out and putting it out in the street just to be collected mm. and you're just blown away like that sense of community like oh no we're all good here so we just walk to the next place it's pretty yeah. special you've seen that up in Mullum too like the entire town was just full of people showing up with gumboots on a broom a shovel a crowbar a pinch bar and just like right yeah, let's do it yeah. what do you need and just ha- like every single house mm. it was wild you drove through the main street every single house was fucked yeah every not just the mansion like every street you go through every couch tv unit dining table fucking bed mattress yeah. everything is there. just out on the front street it's funny we, we you know i said we, we got to woodburn and we got told now go out to korokai you can go out this back way or whatever you'll make it there they, you know they had access the day before so um we went out there and on the way out i ended up towing out three different cars out of the flood well you know people just pulling me over because i drive a troopy oh can you help us tow this so straight on we're like yeah yeah you know and then um pull up at a couple of farmhouses and they're like oh no they're right pull up this one guy and i just said mate do you, do you need a hand he said what's the point i've lost everything i was like well you know there's we've got a team you know I'm here with three mates like is there anything we can do you know what, what do you need he's like mate like i just and he just he it was weird because like we wanted to help and we're there with love and and you know the the guy just had nothing left in him what he had gone through lost everything he'd been there for i think he said he'd been there for 40 years and now he's lost everything you know he's never seen a flood like that and and I, we said, you know, I tried to like reassure, like, is this, can we bring you back anything? And it was just like, nah. He just kind of sent us on our way, you know, in a nice way. It was just like, he's just like, nah. And, and we, we kind of left and we're like, holy. Like, that was the first real, like, wow. Like, this guy was like just laying there in a ball of his own, like, misery or pity. He just like, I don't know how to describe it. He'd just gone through so much trauma that he had nothing, nothing left in him. And we get out and we get to Korokai. And still half the houses in the town were flooded. The water was up and we go down the street and we, you know, there's just garbage all out. The whole place is mud. It's like you were saying, people are in the cleaning houses and there's a fire truck and we rock up at the fireys. And I said to the guy, I said, oh, hey, what do you need? We're just, we've just driven into town. We want to help. And the guy goes, oh, there's a little community center we've set up. You can go ask. And then his other fiery mate just cuts him off and goes, mate, just go house to house. Whoever needs it, just ask him if they don't go to the next one so like sweetney goes these houses right here there's people in them so just go five houses down and ask them and then just just go they are like sweet thanks so we go down first house we walk in and we're the first people are there and we said oh can we give you a hand and, and the guy like just this couple older couple who had grown up in byron moved out to korokai because it was cheaper to live out there um cheaper land and everything because byron's kind of going nuts and um he was just walking around he just again had no life force in him just like what's the point and she was just chain smoking sitting on the steps and benny and i just went in we just started cleaning and she was like yeah and i I came out i was just like are you you okay and she just broke down And, and what i realized in that moment was not not just that she needed us there to clean and help her she just needed someone to talk to 
She just needed someone to just like, you know, she'd been sleeping in her car for, for a week. They were able to get, she was telling us that this is their second story home. They climbed out their bedroom window into a boat in the middle of the night. Like the SES came and they got them like they were at the top of their house about to get, and, um, you know, they've lost everything. So now we're stripping. It was so weird that we're in this second story, like the second story of this house, completely just covered in mud. And the thing was the sewer smell because obviously the septic rises up through the toilets when it floods. You know what I mean? So the whole house is just filled with that stench. Dude, I, I didn't surf for like so long after all. It was like six weeks. Because mm. going up the river and especially after the second flood, like seeing more of it. But like I remember going up the river to Korokai that first day and just the amount of dead cattle and going past the, the sugar mill at Broadwater. And mm. it was this really actually kind of surreal moment. Coming back in the afternoon, all the wind had died off and I'm on the jet ski and the water was purple. And there was that cool orange sunset. Super trippy. It was like oil, wow. like like oily. Like yeah, literally oily. you say oily, but it was just a whole, all the water was just covered in diesel running out of the sugar mill there. Water had wow. like these greens and blues and pinks and purples. It was like, it was a super weird, surreal experience. Yeah. And it was quiet because there was no one around. Mm. Like you could not hear a noise. Wow. I mean, just prior to the floods, like we went um, free diving up, up at Julian Rocks. And the water was just like crystal clear blue. And Byron doesn't usually get affected by, you know, runoff. Like around Ballina Lennox, you see the water go brown. But this was just like chocolate brown in our ocean. And it's just like there's so much sediment, so much runoff come off. Like Byron was affected. And people were getting like illnesses up through there. The guy lost his eye. Like, what is it, four months later and we still don't have clean water out there? No. You know, it's four months later, still runoff water coming out. Mm. this this lady like we came back the next day to this couple and we couldn't get a word out of them the first day really other than just you know she i sat there and held space for her while she chain smoked and like vented and everything the next day we went back and cleaned again you saw their um emotions come up a bit the third day we went back with a couple of the girls and we went in and the thing was we weren't even get benny and i wanted to like put some music on and like clean and we're like nah it's too dire like we can't be like positive by the third day we went back to their house to clean and, and help out and you saw their spirits starting to lift and i said to her and she said to us what, should we put some music on today what what music do you want but how freaking cool is it that you're just showing up at a random stranger's house dude if i rang you tomorrow mm. and go hey bro i gotta uh, i'm gonna clean the shower do you want to come in you'll be like mate fuck off mm. but like People were just doing it for days, days, mm. days, weeks, just like yeah. showing up at a random stranger's house, scrubbing floors, doing whatever they needed for a random mm. stranger for absolutely nothing else than just those people need help. Oh, mate, that, that afternoon, how's this? Is This was such a special moment. So the guy, that, that couple, you know, I think they're in their 60s, he had had about 40 guitars and he was an old musician, but he'd, he um, hadn't picked up a guitar in a couple of years and hadn't, hadn't sat, sung and played. And she was saying like, oh, how much she loves him, but he just, he just lost it. He just had lost his will to do it. Anyway, he lost all these guitars, but there was one guitar that was still kind of all right. And that afternoon he picked up the guitar and he played us this song, but he actually sung to us and he like improvised it about coming in and the waters rising and taking his soul away, taking his life away. 
but then these people coming to help and starting to see hope and light again and we all just had these tears in our eyes i've got the shivers now just thinking about it and it was just um yeah it was kind of like in the most devastating time and the most traumatic time of these people's lives to see so much beauty in a moment i guess that's where artwork comes into play Mm. and like his way of expressing himself he probably wouldn't be able to communicate that to his wife or Mm. but to do it through a song yeah i just do it through a song where people kind of enjoy it and like feel his emotion like that's pretty unique Mm. it's like it's pretty special we had we went to this uh the next day or a couple of days later we um heard that the waters had started to rise out of town and farmers have been you know um no one was out there yet so we had a couple of mates come up from sydney to meet us uh jade and jethro you know jethro of bondi lifeguards so and he's just a funny little fella anyway um so he come up to meet meet us and then we um we head out to this farm and we get out on this farm and the cattle for one the lady was a hoarder and so she had hoarded like so much uh, gear in the house but the septic had gone through the house, but plus the cattle had gone to the high ground around the house and then drowned and died at the house. So we're the first on the scene to this house. It's the carpets, the furniture, the mattresses just filled with septic water, dead cows around that are bloated and one had exploded open and it was just the stench and we all got, I just meant I threw up all day. The boys and I, we just got in and just did it, but we threw up literally all fucking day it was like um it was just hectic, hectic and then from that too was the uh mold poisoning luckily i like i'm shelby's naturopath she's on spirulina but were you just getting like i don't know about you eads because you're you're out in the but when you're in inside the houses with all the mold that's going through the houses like i was getting the burning eyes or just that stench you know the mold forming that you're breathing in i was getting like shallow breath i was getting um the eyes were burning it went on for weeks yeah, the amount of rain that we had, like, if you weren't kind of aware to it and, like, cleaning everything around your house, like, it was everything was so, so damp. But, yeah, it was, you had to be careful. Like, even cleaning up, you had to make sure you're wearing gloves. Like, when you had two pairs of gloves, I gave it to my girlfriend and, and like, I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to go bare, like, just use my bare hands. I washed everything afterwards. But, like, people getting cut and getting, like, infections and stuff like that just by cleaning so you had to be super mindful of like... Fuck, everything's still moldy. Yeah. I went mm. to go to dinner two nights ago and pulled three pairs of pants out and they're all fucking moldy and like a pair of shoes and like some leather boots and it's just like everything is... It hasn't stopped raining. Mm. It has not stopped raining this it's whole like time. Four months. I, I, I ran around Mullum the other night. This is the weirdest thing. Like um, training with uh, with my mate Paddy who is the, you know, he's climbed Denali and he's on his way to climb this 8,000 in Pakistan with no oxygen. Dude's insane. But I've been running with him and him and I ran around Mullum the other night and he was like saying, you know, the floodwaters above here and we're looking like everywhere we went, the floodwater was above the roofline of all the houses, right? Now the community looks like it's back to normal, like it wasn't even touched. And I said to him, like the lights on are in the houses, like everything's back to normal. But I said, it isn't, man. That's because all those houses were completely underwater for a fucking week, mate. And I was like, all those people living in those houses, there's just mould growing in those walls. We're able to do a lot of actually pretty positive stuff. So like most mm. of that, and pretty quickly people were, we ripped a lot of the walls out in homes. Yeah. Like I know that's what we did at a friend's home. But a lot of people didn't as well. well they, It was an interesting thing because I know mm. they were kind of like wording people like, hey, you probably need to do this. Yeah. Um, 
what we then sort of, I guess, followed up with, with the fundraising stuff that kind of started to follow was getting electricians and actually putting mm. electricians on payroll to go around and do safety tests or rewire because a lot of that's all fucked. Yeah. So that had to get done. Paying plasters to go in to just get people's houses resheeted. Yeah. Things that, you know, you'd think insurance covers. Well, most people don't have flood insurance. Mm. You not just up, don't. Not up in Lismore. It's too expensive. Well, I had a look at my business policy because we had water come up to the front door on that second one. And I was like, oh, actually, yep, no, don't have that shit. 25 grand a year. Who has mm. 25 grand a year? Well, and this is the other thing is like a lot of people that are living in Lismore, South Lismore, Korokai, these Bungawalba and these communities, it's they're there because they're already on the margins of society. Mm. They're not the most affluent. They're already the ones that are struggling. And they're definitely not the ones that are going to be digging in their pocket, finding another twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year to pay for flood insurance. Mm. They're yeah, just not. that's the reality of it. They're just not. Mm. Fuck. It's, it, yeah, just talking about this, it's like the, the he- you know, because there's so many positives, like, you know, the community coming together, but the... It's just, you know, going back through it and back through the trauma. And, and it's funny doing this podcast. It's like doing this when it happened, I probably wouldn't have been able to hold it together. You know what I mean? Like from just seeing firsthand the effect that it had on people, you know, going back, it's like, you know, four months later, it's not even four months. It's like three, four months later and it's still raining here. We're still all on edge. You know, it's still being rebuilt. And it's like, to, to me, it's, it's not really forgotten. I think it's, we're, it's going to be a really big ongoing issue because we still, like, what do you do with the town of Lismore? Mm. Where do all these people live? Most of these people are still in temporary accommodation. Yeah. What does that look like? You know, there's been, there was a lot of things we tried to kind of earmark around fundraising stuff around buying, like, the Mullum soccer team some like football boots put money aside for that because like while mum and dad are trying to figure out how they're going to like you know get a new fridge all the kids are still all affected they still want their regular lives back yeah like that stuff's just as important in a lot of ways fuck man i was just thinking about like all the byproducts like even like plastering like think about you know i went to ballina yesterday and i went i couldn't fucking get into the joint and then i had to go to bunnings I couldn't fucking even get into Bunnings. And, um, you know, my friend said to me, like, Bunnings has been like that since the floods. You know, but I was thinking, like, plaster, like, sheets or cement sheet, like, walling, like, just, you know, it's like, It's so hard to get at the moment. It's well, like, how can you get it? It's like every fucking house Well, it's in a it. massive shortage. And the other thing, which was really clever, but um, all, the, all the plasterboard that basically came into Australia in November all had uh, asbestos in it. Oh, so, yeah. That's still happening, apparently, somehow. So... Yeah, mm. there's a been like that. So fuck, it's a shit storm. It's a massive. I don't know. There's just so you could talk on it for hours, but there's so many bigger, bigger issues that are just so entangled in this. Mm. What for you? Mm. It's hard because it's so the, hard not to get political, especially that there's an election about to come up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I was about to ask a really political look, question. But it's just look, like, there's okay. So I was looking at who to vote for in our local area, try and actually make some sense of it. Mm. And one of the guys that's running in our area, this guy David, and he has a dive company. He's like a local dude, filmmaker. 
he was came down, was volunteering, bringing dive boats, and was running out. And he was on the river with us in Korokai a couple of times. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't even know that dude, who he was. He's a human. He's a dude. And he's like now he's running for government. And I'm like, wow, oh, fuck, that's kind of cool. That's the kind of person you want to vote for. That's like he was yeah. out there like, you know, showing up. Good it wasn't. Him. It wasn't Skoma in Hawaii while the fucking fires so, are going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Look, I try to not get too political about it. I think uh, there was a lot of beautiful things that came out of mm. the, the horribleness of it, the whole situation. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I've got, I've made friends out of that situation. Like, I think it through some sort of trauma, you bond with people in a really interesting, special way. Yeah. Through shared experience. I think that was really special. I think the way the community came together was incredible. Mm. Yeah, I think what the, the resilience the community showed that like, you know, regardless of government help or whatever that is, like we were able to raise enough money to basically take care of most of the shit we needed to. We were able to do most of the shit we needed to before anyone else showed up. Mm. I think, um, yeah, like as you said that, I was just thinking like, yeah, what's the, the real... You know, like, why did I really want to sit down with you guys and, and really break this down about the floods? You know, one, for it was just such a huge event. There's so many stories, so many traumatic stories around it. But it was just to really paint a picture of what actually went on here, what the community actually did, you know, um, and just how amazing people are and can be. You know, just to put a little bit of hope back into... It's not... It's just when shit went down, everyone just fucking stepped up, you know? And when I'm like thinking about this, it's just like, it's like that for fucking anything. You know, what do you want in your life? What do you want to do in your life? What do you want to fucking create? To do it, you've just got to step up. It just so happened that a fucking traumatic, you know, experience happened with Mother Nature that everyone had to step up. And it just showed how capable fucking everyone is. Like, people weren't sleeping for fucking weeks and getting out there and fucking sweeping and working and fucking just getting it done. Robin mentioned this before, and maybe I brushed over it, but I think it's actually probably is correct. Because I don't think a lot of people would have probably gone to the extent that we did here. Mm-hmm. where people were going so far above and beyond what maybe like, oh, you know, I'll go help for a little bit. People were like for a week, not sleeping and just out there doing. Mm. People were like, you couldn't work during that time. I got time off school, but you just wanted to volunteer your time because you knew people were doing it way tougher. Like I was so fortunate just living in East Ballina. Like people were checking in on me like, is your, you know, your place is affected. I was like, no, I'm, I'm sweet, but I want to get out there and, and help out as much as possible but the sense of community is just like yeah. i feel like around here is just phenomenal like this is why i got drawn to this place this is why thousands of people around australia and the world come and visit this area mm. so it's just this sense of community everyone looks out for each other and just people like businesses were putting like food packs together and sending it out just for people that were working and putting on social media like if you worked come in we've got some supplies like i think that was the other thing it was like everyone was doing what they could with the skills they had yeah right 100 like i'm lucky i've got a lot of friends that are chefs like some of the best chefs in the country they were working just out making prep meals to you know let's get 10,000 15,000 food meals out a day getting privately funded and they were just making it happen mm. no one was working i remember i kind of snapped on a dude and went to get a cup of coffee one morning and he was like have you been surfing snap has been pounding i was like no nah, man been kind of busy he's like are you working today i was like no he's like, oh you should really go and i was like read the room fuck off like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit other shit going on like yeah 
how funny was that too it's just like no one was surfing no one yeah and it well was like, some people were I yeah, wasn't fucking backing them too hard I tell you yeah and you yeah it wasn't it was it was funny too because I, I think um, a friend of mine said to me she's like when to put a photo up on social media too and she's like it was like something about you know something fun and like vibrant and on an island or something you know and she's like I was like not the time <laughs> you know what I mean not the time to be like hey I just did a holiday it's just like it's more like we're using this uh this this social network right now to get for resources well that was yeah like spread information I couldn't post a photo of like you know hey here's this porto mode and like mm. try to like pump it I was like no nah. like so we were I went straight into like all right we had 10 days of just flat out mm. work and then the first as soon as I go back to work, I'm like, right, where are we getting money? Yeah, I uh, I think we end up raising like $60,000 or something like that. So it was cool. I, I loved um, watching your, the live feed of pulling the number. So, you know, you did a fundraiser, you know, through um, Dead Kooks, you know, to what, uh, was it a surfboard? Was the first prize? Was it? We got, so I contacted this company, Giant Bikes down in Melbourne, um, who I have a bit of a relationship with. Um, and I'd actually be, I've spoke to them like even through the sort of the pandemic stuff when people were having a hard time and they'd said to me, if you know anyone that's having a hard time that we could get a bike to that would help them, just call us, we'll get them a bike. If that gives them like some freedom, some sort of escape, like we'll do that for them. Just mm-hmm. call us anytime. Like they're yeah. one of the biggest bike companies in the world. Um, I know the guys that run it in Melbourne there in Australia and they're rad. Um, so I just rang them. I was like, hey, I want to do this fundraising thing. Can I have a bike? And like, yep, sweet. What do you want? Gave me like a $6,000 bike. Just no questions asked. Done. Um, so, And then it was cool. So when we actually drew that raffle and the guy that won it happened to be a guy we knew and he was just like straight away. He's like, well, I don't want... Just give me the bike. Raffle the board. Give it to someone else. Share the winnings. Like, I don't want to be greedy. You know, we're able to kind of like spin it around, send it even further. Mm. And then, you know... It's funny. It's funny the situation brings the best oh, this, this is what tripped me out it's just like the situation brought literally the best side out in everyone some people have brought the worst but most people have brought the best side out in everyone because we all wanted to share we all wanted to help no one wanted to be greedy you know what i mean and it's just like yeah like when when our mate mate when i saw that and he's just no nah, re-raffle yeah you know it's just like share it you know it's like human freaking nature and i was just thinking like why does it take such a freaking traumatic event for that to happen? It's just human nature. And like I teach a subject society and culture. And I had that same discussion today at school. It's like, why do we need such a massive event like this for change to come about? Why can't we kind of put systems in play and foresee something that potentially could go wrong until we're reactive? It's like, we've known about the flood levees up in Lismore for decades, if not longer. And they've done, you know, implementation. They've put stuff in play to kind of raise the levies, like hats off to them. But like, it was gonna, there was, this day was gonna happen. But raising the levies doesn't necessarily solve the issue because all it does is divert the water somewhere. Exactly, mm. exactly. So I think another beer. Keep going. Yeah, go for it. I'll have one. Yeah. I think the the, the issues are bigger because it's actually just stuff. I don't know, like all the shit around climate that they say is like, as things warm, this is what's gonna happen. Mm. well this is what's happened we look at where we live right now like if you live on the beach you have to be worried about storm surges coastal erosion yada yada 
you live anywhere on a river system, which is most of Australia settled, that where we all settled was on river systems based around foresting and everything else. You've got that. Or you don't live on a river system, you live around a bunch of trees, and then we'll fuck, good luck in another two years' time when we're back in a gnarly drought and we got the bushfire shit again. Mm. I just think you can't be so blasé about like where we live right now. We're in a collective community like worldwide. Like What you do somewhere can affect someone else down the track. Mm. I feel like, unfortunately, like I say this at schools, like this generation that's coming through, we've left them a shit fucking world to live in. And it's just like yeah. that, that generation, I was, we're talking about it in class, it's like technology is the only thing that's going to pull us out of it. Social media pulled us out of this little situation momentarily. And in the future to come, like there'll be a tipping point until that tipping point happens. Like with climate change, then change will come about, but we've already gone too far past the point. I think one of the, if you try to find, I, I look through this thing and I kind of just try to find like the, the, the the nice things well not the nice things but you know like the bits that are actually can find some hope in mm. and i think with what we've seen in australia in the last four years with the bushfires and now with this and then the back-to-back floods you know within a month and then in parts of queensland now they've had three floods in the last four months or something right lockyer valley and some of these regions yeah. it's it's people can no longer put their head in the sand and pretend mm. that this shit's normal right it's like I think the original, the, la- the classification of that major, the, the major flood in Lismore, the first one was a one in 10,000 year flood. And then the next one was still a one in 500 year flood and that happened 30 mm. days apart. Have you where seen do they get those stats from? I mean, like, it's just like... Based off, like, that's just the classifications based off historical ranking. Have you seen the latest science journal? They're talking about the, um, is it the Seychelles? I think it was that they did, like... They spent these like millions or billions of dollars setting up this one island to, and don't quote me on this because I'm just going to butcher it, but just basically um, to set up this one island for the sea level rising. But it started turning to mush, and what they didn't realize was groundwater. Freshwater sits on salt water. So it's the groundwater that rises with the ocean levels rising. So it's like the uh, water table. And right now, in like my place, so the track to the beach. Um, at the back of mine, like I haven't been able to use it for six months because the water table's full. Normally it'll rain or it'll flood there. I've, it's flooded there heaps in the last five years since I've had my place, but the water goes in two days or three days. Like I've really bad, it's sat, it's sat there for like, I think three weeks or one sta- stage before this, but it's sat there for six months because the water table underneath is so full. So it's like now it's literally even changed my lifestyle. I can't go down the beach i've got to drive all the way around because the track's flooded right but just even like my groundwater like i dig a hole and it just fills up to plant a tree just fills up with water my whole backyard is just mush and i'm like that's what i'm worried about it's like the next flood there's nowhere for it to go but it's like you know with with climate change sea levels rising it's that groundwater coming up anyway that's the latest science journal is um talking about I think it's a 12-year study, so they've done quite like 50-year studies or something on like, you know, sea level rising or whatever, and it's now they're finally getting like some solid data on um, groundwater rising. They're actually saying like, they're saying they think this is the biggest problem to 
Well, that's where we're at right now. Like, it has not stopped raining. Oh, man. It has pretty like much for three months. Even if you see so, a like, nice lawn. It's, everything's just sodden. Yeah. It's just, it's wet. How funny is it? It's like, if it isn't mud, like, it, you know, in the area that we're living in right now, Northern Rivers, you, even if you see a nice lawn and you take your shoes off and you walk across it. Squishy as shit. It just squishes. <laughs> I was at a nice house up at oh um, Seven Mile, up at Broken Head here. The neighbors next to the Hemsworth joints, because our friends look at anyway. I freaking nice lawn right there. <laughs> I'm in my troopy and I'm dri- backing down the, dri- the driveway. But all my friends had cars on either side, and I was like, oh, I'll just back into this bit of lawn. I just backed in both back wheels, just sunk. You know, and then next thing I'm like bogged up this poor lawn. I just freaking put these two big <laughs> wheel marks in, had to get out, put in 4B, get out of my freaking bog situation. Do an eight-point turn to so avoid all the fucking water areas and get out with a shovel and try and, like... But it's just the ground is just so soft. Fuck. What are we going to do, boys? We're the, we're the generation that has to make change. <laughs> well, that's it. we got the election coming up. Start voting. Oh. What's, um... For you, for you... Like, what's... Because, Eden, you know, like... It, we've just shown you know for both of you guys that you know but you're both members of this community and like robin you pay like a huge part part of this community you know like um by being a teacher and you know you're shaping our young men you're shaping our young women you know and then eden you play a a, a big role too if you actually think about it because you've got a surfboard company you've got a surfboard brand which also shapes our young men and women. I just make toys for grown-ups, dude. It's not that important. <laughs> Robin's like, Robin's, yeah, actually like taking care of sculpting our youth. I'm just trying yeah. to put a smile on people's faces. Like for you, Robin, what is it for you when you sit in that classroom? Like, do you, like, what is it for you that you want to instill in, in children? Well, the most important thing, like I kind of, you got the curriculum right, you got to stick to and you're kind of bound by that, trying to tick off all these dot points and stuff like that. I've kind of come to the realisation with my teaching now, I'm just like, that's all well and good, but what I want to, like, kids to take away is just that awareness and, like, talk about topics of concern for them, like, stuff that's been happening in community, literally, like, broadening their gaze just to say, you're not the only person... And that's the whole thing. You're not the only person in this community. You're not the only person in this classroom. We all share this same space and to help out each other. Um, this really beautiful girl in my class, I have this little hub group I see every single morning. She actually did, um, she fundraised for the our world's greatest shave. And you've got this young girl, you know, donating her time, donating her hair. Wow. And it's like for a young girl. Donating her image. Yeah, her right? whole image, her identity. Like mm. when you're that age, in year eight, you're like 14, um, 14 13 years, years of age. And you've got this pressure from society, like how you're supposed to look. And she's just gone, look, I'm, and she's still working out her identity. But she's just gone, there's people that need this more than I do. And it's she's so fl- special. It's so special. And mm. it's like literally, I was just like blown away. And I just... I just praised her and I said, you're so inspirational, donated money to the cause. They raised like around about $3,000. Like I'm pretty sure they got really close to their target, but she fundraised alone around about $500. It's just rad that a young girl's thinking that way mm. rather than thinking of like, oh, I want to be hot, I want to be this. And it's like, oh, how can I help other people? Mm. Like that's rad. Yeah. Well, I think to what you were referencing, like the way I look at it with what we do, like 
surfboards are all toxic and there's a whole other argument around that but what you are doing is the more you can get people engaged in the ocean and get people more engaged in ocean communities and ocean activities you are you know whether they're adult learners Mm. or young kids you're getting people engaged in that community it what comes with that like i don't know a single person that surfs that's going to go down the beach leave a bunch of beer bottles Mm. leave chip packets leave a mess you just Mm. fuck it's like this is where we live this is where we spend our time we want these places to be special so i think if you can get people engaged in that community you're building a bunch of you know environmental ocean activists that's the whole point of an adventure podcast it's that what wild earth believe they're like the more it's funny they said to me like that's what i love about them they said like we believe in quality of content uh, rather than just content and followers so that's what i love about them they believe in the message and for them it's like the more people that fall in love, and this is the same for me, the more people fall in love with the natural world, the more people are going to want to protect it. It's 100%. Like I go and do all, like you go and do these trail races and like, you know, go and do these like runs that we do out in the hills. Mm. You don't, you don't leave rubbish. No. You see rubbish, you pick it up, whether it was yours or not. Like mm. you're in the middle of the most beautiful places in the wilderness. And it's like, oh, you, you don't leave shit mm. around. I, I, so I think people engage with that. But I mean, like coming from a teacher perspective is like how, like, this is one of the hardest questions is like, you've got to create those experiences for people to actually appreciate the environment and to connect with nature and like mother earth. And it's really important to kind of like have those experiences and give them to young people because we're so caught up just in the classroom Mm. and we have been super restricted with like the conditions we've been in the past couple of years. It's like, how do you connect people back to community and like, that event that we just were talking about that was one of those things like i asked the students in my class i was like who helped out with the you know did you help out a neighbor did you do this and like i was blown away how many students like over three quarters of the the class put their hand up said i did something and that just goes to show that connection to their community was just like so strong and so apparent Mm. but i feel like the way this generation is going to go is that yeah they're going to have to unfortunately they've just been dealt a really hard a really difficult hand and like that collective consciousness and that's what i'm trying to instill with kids at school broaden their gaze up a little bit more show them things that they haven't seen before so they can kind of connect with it on a more personal level yeah it's like i think where our generation got dealt a hefty hand like what about a younger generation it's like mm. where our generation right now are trying to like you know start families and and buy property it's like that ain't gonna happen for a lot of them think about our younger generation the reason the reason why i asked you guys that is because i did a i did a podcast yesterday with rio conversations the light and elder and we kind of got on this topic about you know like what are we here for and it all came down to that we're here for love right that we're here and all the difference is is that our own unique expression of that so i kind of like i kind of like just came down to it's like that we're all responsible here in the world to spread love right the only thing that stops us from that is our own trauma and that's for us to step up to you know what i mean so it's like what i loved about your answer and also your answer eads is that it's like it's your expression you know it's like that's your expression robin of spreading love in the world of spreading change you know what i mean it's your expression of like helping you know doing something for your community like even eden it's like yeah it's, it's like it goes deeper than you just having a surfboard brand you know you also had like the um 
means to be able to raise fucking sixty thousand dollars you had the means to have the you had the network to be able to reach out to like bike companies or the social media network to be able to reach out to resources you know what i mean it's like you use that to spread love you know you use that to the and i think um why i really wanted to bring that up was because like you know no matter what we do as long as we're doing it from love like it's like it's i just i it's just out for me i'm just seeing it as after that conversation I had yesterday, it's just fucking assess our responsibility, you know, to be part of that community, to be the person coming from love, you know what I mean? To use what we have for good, you know what I mean? To use what we have to make change in the world, to use what we have to like, just fucking like, I remember my mate said to me, even if you're not like, just to be a good member of the community, you could just be a guy smiling, saying hi to people. You just don't be someone taken away from it. It just brings so much into it. Like on a small scale at school, like I try my best to say hello to kids at school mm-hmm. and say, hey, how you going? And just like the smallest thing can just bring, like just turn someone's day mm-hmm. and just giving people the time, just like what you did up at um, Korokai, just to sit in that space with someone. And it's amazing. You do this for the young people. They take that away in that experience and they don't forget. They don't forget those moments that you share with them. Yeah. And it's, it's super powerful. And that's once, like what you're saying, you're just spreading love. You're just, and you're giving from a place from within. And it's like, for me, and it's just from my little life, life journey, it's just like, it's showing up every single day. It's like mm. so important. Like whether it's in the classroom, whether it's from my girlfriend, it's for my mates. It's just like you show up, you just do the best job you can do. And that's... Yeah, we don't have to be yeah. superheroes. It's just, no. it's just literally just doing, just doing what we can do. I think the one thing I found really interesting with the flood stuff was like, everyone was like, oh, that's so rad. You guys are just giving so much. And I was like, it wasn't totally selfless. Like, mm. there's a lot of like inherent reward in that on the back end of it. Not that you're doing it for reward, but like the sense of fulfillment that came out of that. Oh, it was incredible. It was nuts. Mm. Like I work my ass off generally, but like, I, like shit. I really hope I don't have to do that shit again. But like, I you get up in the morning, like we're up at three a.m., ready to go work. You know, come home. We we were getting home at like 10, 11 at night. Just mm. Barely sleep, and just go and do it again. And you were like, wake up the next day, like ready to go. Yeah, it's because you're making a difference. You're making you a know, difference. You're, you're helping people, world. and. Like, I'm not going to say we was like, we're not out there enjoying it, but like you, it was impactful. Mm. And I think, I don't know, without getting too heavy about it, but like the fact that you can just wake up in the morning and have an impact on someone's life. Mm. I guess we all can every day if we actually think about mm. it. But you like can, you can, but in that moment, it felt pretty special. Mm. Mm. Well, you can kind of by doing what Robin said, and that's just like fucking showing up for people, you know, like sitting there and like just fucking seeing someone. Robert, while well, Eden goes and has a piss. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the door, Aids. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I really want to say, so what's, what's next for you, man? Like, because you're, you're about to go into a huge life transition. You know, you've, you've been a teacher. You know, you, I've traveled with you when we were younger. I've seen you in Indonesia, um, you know, but like you've, you're about to take a leap of faith. We, talk, we talked about it the other night. And I just thought it was so fucking incredible what you're about to do. Yeah, it's, I think I've just come and point in my life where I've just kind of seen everything kind of unfold, like 14 years teaching and everything that it's given me has been amazing. I don't take anything away from it, but I feel like I, I have to do something for myself. And 
at this point in time, a few things have happened in my life where I've just kind of questioned like where I'm sitting at the moment and what's important to me. And like, I feel that it's, yeah, this is the time to go do it. Everything's kind of aligning into the right places, but yeah, just literally 40 years teaching and just packing it in, just like got enough money saved in the bank and just going to head overseas and go live in Bali and live in this little island called Rhodey and hopefully travel to the Philippines and just kind of like actually live life and come back to my like surf photography and just like drop straight back into it and, and yeah, go so surfing. What I love about that is like drop back into photography is your passion. But the leap of faith is that you're quitting your job. You're moving out of your house. You are literally moving into a backpack at the age of 40. It's like, yeah, it's like we all did it when we were early 20s. You know, that was easy. Yeah. But to do it, you know, as you've just turned 40 or are you turning 40 or no, are you 40 already? already? 40, yeah, start of the year. Yeah, so you're already 40 and you're just taking a leap of faith. You know what, I'm just going. You're going to it. And when you said it like well, at the rails the other night and, and we're just kind of breaking that down a bit more, I was just thinking, holy fuck, it is so incredible. And I got so excited like thinking about it, the adventure in that. It's literally like I'm having this right now like with Shelby talking about next year, just fully letting go. And I can see even the fear in her because she's been at uni for so long. She's been working and everything. I'm saying, nah, I just want to fully let go. You're just so preconditioned, like teaching you like 8.30 to 3.30. It's like no two days are the same, but there is that repetition. Like people are working and grinding like mm. in this area. Like my whole dream was like to get a house, like with my ex-partner and all these things. And that fell through. And that was like a big slap in the face and going, well, shit, just don't take everything for granted. Like life is too short to fuck about and to kind of just think that everything's going to be all right. Yeah. It's like you've got to create like the world that you want to be in and I was just like well I love surfing I want to go back to my passion and literally immerse myself in it mm. and I feel like this is the time to do it like it, as I mentioned everything's aligning up the world's opening back up very slowly and if I don't take this opportunity now like when is it going to be mm -hmm. is it going to be like down the track when my body's not you know able like I've kept myself in reasonably good like health and fitness and like this is the moment to go and do it but um, yeah, it's a huge leap of faith. Even those moments where I'm just like, whoa, like, is this, is this the right thing to do? But at the end of the day, well, you're going just, for it's 100% it. the right thing to do. Yeah. I've been going, I'm, it's funny. I like, I did really disconnected from one of my uncles for a long time. And he's like late sixties now and his wife's left him and he, he worked his ass off and she got sick of the amount of work he did and bailed. And he's now like, chatting with me and going like how do you do it like you work and then just like go to switzerland and go snowboarding for a month i'm like yeah because that's important too i like that that's fulfilling and then he was like rang me he's like what are you doing Peace? i'm like i'm going to fiji i'm gonna go sit on an island for two weeks he was like weren't you you were just out you were just in switzerland in france i'm like yeah well how do you go to fiji i like, came home i worked hard and i'm gonna piss off again Mm. I feel it's like, like it just depends what you put value on but I feel mm. like you do that really well Eads is like you're able to look after yourself and I feel like as you get older like I've got a young daughter I've had like you it know, becomes scarier yeah it becomes like you feel like you've got these responsibilities which you do like but for me like I want to just say to my daughter like I want you to come over I want you to come live the life I'm living I, I want to be that role model to her and say like 
Well, she's 14 now? She'll be 15, yeah. She's 14 mm. now. I'll be 15 in August, August 30th. But it's like, I kind of want to be that person for her, like a bit of inspiration and go like, well, dad, like mm. something dramatic happened in dad's life. But now he's actually going to chase his dream because teaching wasn't the first thing that I put my hand up for. Like, mm. you know, I just kind of fell into place. But that was the preconditioning I had from all of those previous years when growing up and just trying to please your parents and like what society expects you to do. Now I've actually kind of just had heaps more awareness and like just doing meditation and like connecting with a few of the, few of the boys and talking this shit out. It's just mm. like, there's more to life than just what everyone expects you to do. Like you yeah. can carve your own path, but you've actually just got to go, nah, just go for it. Yeah, how do you, how do, you do it, Eden? Like, I work my ass off. No, but it isn't even that. It's not even that you, that you work your ass off. It's like, because, you know, I've known... Well, I also prioritize other things. Like, mm. like, like, where do you put your priorities? It's like, you know, it's like, a, I suppose I can just... I'm so similar to you, to you in that way, but it's just like, I know why I do it. But it's like, why do you do it? Like, why do you like, choose Like, I still value... That? Like, I still really put emphasis on my business. Like, I don't mm. take that shit half-hearted like i work hard and i I, that means a lot to me and i really want to see this thing succeed and i want it to be like i want to do well out of that like you know i'm not not under any disillusionment like i want to make money because that kind of all but the thing is it's like the more more work i put into that also then enables me more opportunity to go and do all the other shit Mm -hmm. but have you kept that balance where you like allow yourself to still give yourself what you want you know what I mean? Because I, like, I still do, I do that. I think what I realized is as I got to a point where like work is like there's it's the, the, the weight list is just constant. It's like, you know, it's, it's just always going to be there, mm. I hope. But if you just are constantly going, oh, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Oh, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's always going to be more. Mm. so at what point do you go well hang on i'm gonna need to take a minute for me it comes down to just self-love eh? it just comes down to giving yourself what you actually need and i also found like when i if i you know with when i wasn't able to get out of the country or when we couldn't i was like oh sweet i'm just gonna like travel around around australia there's always place i want to go and then we couldn't do that and i kind of just ended up in this monotonous role where it was just like, you know, there was no carrot, you know, stick. It was just stick. Like, it was just mm. wake up every morning, go to work. And as hard as I worked, there was fucking, it just kept piling on more than I could ever handle. And I was like, well, like, I could just keep doing this for the next 40 years. It's still going to be here. Like, what's the, you know, at a certain point, take time, go and enjoy the shit you want to do, come back refreshed, rejuvenated, inspired. And yeah. you actually, like, my drive and my passion for what I do is enhanced stays. massively. It stays. That's my phone ringing. Is that, is that Shelby? So, it's, it? for me, I think that's the... Oh, uh, it's spotty. I think that's sort of my take on it. Mm. Is by allowing yourself that time out actually allows me to show up better yeah fuck that's literally what i was about to get to that's that's for me too it's like how can you be any help so a mate one of my best mates i'm about to um climb this mountain with he is one of australia's leading sustainable experts and he takes it literally on his shoulders that he's going to save the world that he's going to slow down climate change so evolution can come up you know can catch up and he's just um 
I just remember we were sailing from Tonga to New Zealand together and we're just, you know, contemplating life. And I just said to him, I was like, yeah, but man, if you burn out, what help are you? You know what I mean? Really with your passion mm. and what you want to give to the world, if you burn out, how can you help? You know? And it's like, yeah, keeping that balance. What's, what is next for Dead Cooks? Like for you and your vision and, and your, your love, because it's your baby, you know, it's your yeah. expression is Dead Cooks. Like... You there know, really isn't any master plan. Um, I'm just enjoying what I'm doing. Um, I've tried to actually scale things back a touch um, and try and get, I want more time out of it. Not out of work, but just like more time for myself, more holidays, more mm-hmm. time surfing, more time snowboarding, just enjoying the things I really enjoy doing. Um, and I sort of feel like I'm finding that space right now. It's feeling pretty good. Yeah. Um, kind of lucky that we're in a place where we've got a pretty high demand and we're able to kind of work with that we work hard when we work and then i'm able to still find myself some time away from it mm-hmm. to kind of go and do those other things is but for me it's a tricky one where it's you start doing this job at the time it's not a job you start doing it because you want to do it mm-hmm. and then it becomes a job and then it really becomes a job and you started doing it because it was like oh cool i can do this and i can surf all the time and blah 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 I surf way less than most of my friends, like way, way, way less because hmm. I'm working. It's really hard to be really dialed in with the surfboards you're making if you're working all the time yeah. and you're not surfing. So it's sort of like I need that balance and that's for me. It's like I work really hard and it's like I was like, oh shit, I need to go. Like I haven't been surfing here. All right, cool. So I'm just like bank time, take two weeks, leave. I can't work. I have to go surf and you just go surf. Wow. And do your clients understand that? Or you, do, you don't care? So that's, like, the, that's the business setup that you have. That's the way I run it. Mm, that's fucking brilliant. See, that's, see, your missus is like that. Bonnie's like that. She has that like strong power, she, like as in she inspires me like that. She's like, well, no, this is just how I do it, you know? It's just like it's her thing, you know? It's so inspiring. It's your, your business. Well, I don't think my, it doesn't even affect my our clients and customers because it's like, I'll work. I have a glass shop that has to be running. So like I have to keep them stocked. So if I'm taking two weeks off, there has to be at least two, three weeks in front. So for me, if I'm home for four weeks and I'm then taking another three weeks off, I have to get seven weeks work done in that four weeks I'm here. Shit. Yeah. So you just get it done. What are you listening to a lot of podcasts and just like no. sitting in a shaping bay? No. Why not? I, can't, I don't listen to anyone talk. Oh, just, really? It no. has to be music. Just put music on. My life has literally just been changed. I got these new earbuds. I'm talking on the phone, everything, but like they're like noise cancelling. But I put my muffs on after I was doing trees the other week, and then working, working on my property. I listened to like just been fucking listening to podcasts. The sound of the chainsaw, everything just disappears. See, I've, I need to be able to hear my tools. Yeah, hmm. I suppose. Saying about that, like with what I do, like the sound of the tools, I can hear what they're doing. Mm. Yeah, right. Is it just you? I know you said like, you, you know, you got it glassing, but how is Dead Cook? Is it Dead Cook's just Eden Soul? Yeah, it's pretty much me. I got this uh, guy, Andrew, I've worked with him for me a few years. He's my operations manager. He's an absolute boss. Um, he kind of is my boss now, essentially. I just, he tells me kind of what to do, which is great. It's kind of one of the strangest things to do is hire someone who's kind of halfway to tell you what to do, but it's like, it's amazing. Wow. And so what you're distributing in Australia, not just surfboards, but gear and then what Japan and yeah, USA? Yeah, we got a shop in Japan and then yeah, we also do a lot of 
stuff throughout the states france and then sell stuff um got a lot of stuff going to korea at the moment hawaii um israel Mm. shit goes everywhere it's kind of nice that's always been interesting because Eden as long as I've known you've always been smart like you've always been an intelligent dude but you've become a long way since um, the guy mixing cocktails at fucking <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere <laughs> in elsewhere in surface paradise <laughs> he was still dialed in then just in his own little in, in his own little way though like when you think yeah. about it you kind of strip it back but yeah you've done super well and that's like <laughs> just talking about I just love listening to Eden you kind of like pull so much away from you it's it's just Mm. like you actually just look after yourself and you and that's the most important thing in this day and age like we talked about the floods but end of the day you Mm. have to look after yourself because that's what i tell the kids at school is like no one's gonna look after you at the end of the day yeah your parents will go you're gonna become independent your wife or your girlfriend can leave you it's like you're gonna get yourself out of the mud so to speak it's just like yeah it's funny like i just booked my dad and my uncle a trip to the mentowies and i was like rang him i was like hey i've organized you a trip he's like when i was like oh it's late june i'm busy then i'm like no you're not well i said okay when when are you not busy oh shit this whole year's gonna i'm like no yeah i love it and he was like well how am i gonna make that work i was like figure it out make it work i've already (laughs) paid for it He's like, oh shit. And I was like, if you don't make that time, it's not going to just show up. Yeah. Mm. And, and I think that's always been something I've just kind of like, I put as a priority in my life was yourself. What do you like doing and making time for that shit? Yeah. Yeah. It's having a purpose, but that drive as well, but that self care, that self preservation is like super important i feel like in this day and age i think whether it's for yourself for your work for your partner if that allows you to show up better to be a better person and be like in a better place Mm. Mm. worthwhile that's interesting i had a uh, conversation with shelby just understanding you know that she needs security and she needs to feel safe and i just said like you know how i've run it the last few years is kind of like you eats it's just like i work really hard when i need to and just smash it out and then have time off. And I said, but it's just like, just so you know, like for your own security, is that I'm driven. I work fucking really hard when I need to. But I said, like, for me, I can't just sign up and just be locked into something. And so, so for you, if you think the traditional sense, I might, might start looking unsafe to you. I said, just know that I'm safe, that, I'm, like, I can, I can make, that I make it work. But it's just like, I can't just like work every fucking day. You know what I mean? It's just like I work when I need to and then I have time off and I cruise and I do my thing and have fun. And then it's just like, and then I go nail it again. Yeah. I think the thing about you, Shanksy, is that you're super like, you're so driven and the energy that you get just like sitting here and talking to you boys, like the energy you get off you is just like, you know, shit's happening. You make shit happen. Same with you. It's like you guys are really inspirational just Mm -hmm. as a mate and known you for so many years. Like you make things happen and you make, like other people around you go, oh, cool. Like you inspire other people to kind of like do things that they might not have usually thought about or done in the past, which is like the beauty about it. Mm. And, and I think that's like one of the best compliments you could give someone. Yeah. In a way, you inspire other people to do better. Yeah. That's mm. pretty rad. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I suppose because it's like you're showing them it's safe. Yeah. hundred percent. And mm. I think that's when you're talking about Bonnie is like, she's gone and she's, trodden this path which i'm going to tread like in the next few months six months 
year two years i'm not sure how long i'm going to be over there for hopefully for a long period of time but it's just like she's reassured me like this is going to work and i'm like even if it doesn't work i gave it a go and i'm just going to try and like do the best i can like when i'm over there at the end of the day it's a fucking adventure and it's your life i know exactly let's do it all right let's um let's fucking leave this thanks for having us bro thanks for the talk well thanks for you know thanks for just yeah robin Thanks for everything you've been doing lately. Thanks for taking photos for me, Eads. Thanks for always being there, being a mate, and letting it's us. It's good to you. connect again. It's kind of been a minute. I know. I need to. You know, you've. It's funny, like how you were just saying, inspiring. It's like Eads. It's like everyone inspires you in different ways. It's like Eads inspires me with the running thing. Like you sent me one message the other day, oh glutes, and it was just like I trusted you enough that I was just like, he knows what he's talking about, and I just went straight to the gym and just smashed glutes. You know because. Yeah, my shins have been going out and everything. And it's just like, oh, you know, it's just good. It's just uplinking. It's just having mates. It's just fucking, everyone's doing shit. Even Scotty, our mate, that my mate that I met you guys through, is he's just fucking doing shit. He's just doing his thing. Mm. It's just sick just watching everyone. It's, I've just been really liking it. It's just like, I've just been doing my shit for the last fucking like 15 years. And it's like suddenly, I think even with COVID, I suddenly sat back and sat with my mates and like looked at the shit they're doing. And like, whoa, everyone's just doing their expression. I think for me, that's been the biggest driver for me to like want to do more or like mm. be better with what I do is I've got such an incredible group of people around me. Yeah. That like, and not in like some crazy way where everyone's striving to have like a better car or like a bigger house. It's more like everyone's doing really cool shit yeah, everyone's that seems impactful shit. and interesting. And you're like, oh, I need to level up. Yeah. Surround yourself. Which by is the like a pretty people. rad place to be in. Mm. Where it's not trying to like outdo each other in some dick swinging contest. It's like everyone's doing great, incredible things. And yeah, I think well, that's a really impressive group of people when, to be around. You can't lie to yourself when no one's lying to themselves around you. When mm. no one's lying around you, how can you get fucking, you got nothing but to step up. But you know your strongest mates that are around you like that are stoked for you. Like when you go mm. and do something and they're super supportive. And I've, That's when you know you've got some solid mates like mm. you boys. Yeah, cheers so, that. Cheers that. Right, let's fucking do it. Cheers right. boys. Yeah, cheers boys. <laughs> you can hear it in the mic. All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> See you, boys. I hope you guys like this episode. Now, remember, I've got prizes to give away for whoever shares it for me. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, put it on your social media story, tell your mum. Send me a message, send me a screenshot, or I'm just going to see it on Apple Podcasts anyway, or I'm going to see it on social media, and every week I'm going to pick someone and I'm going to send them an Opino Knife or a Diaries of the Wild Ones t-shirt. Enjoy, guys, and thanks for listening. I do it like a double.